Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses regarding the Cushite woman he'd married. For he'd married a Cushite woman. And they said, was it only to Moses that Hashem spoke? Didn't he speak to us as well? Hashem heard. Okay. Amen. Don't even go further because I'm already in trouble. But Miriam the What's the problem with the sequence there? This is way after everybody uh, has got. No, all... no, no, no. Words. Let's start oh. with the semantics. Vatadaber. Anytime you have men and women in the Bible, who comes first? The men. The men. So the first problem is here. Miriam. Who's speaking? Miriam. You have it. Miriam. Miriam speaking. So she gets whacked first. Right? In fact, she gets the brunt of it. Because the implication is that she initiates. That she initiates. Initiate. That That's what the Gemara says. That 90% of gossip comes from women. So the chances are it was Miriam that instigated the gossip, right? That's what it says. Next. I'll, the word odot, how do you spell the how do you how do you parse translate the word odot? Do not read the art scroll or I'll shoot you. Yidiot. Possibly, possibly the same, right? The fake news. Al odot. But and elsewhere in Shmuel and Yirmiyahu, Odot has a sexual connotation. What's it mean? Okay. That's what we're talking about. News? Where is it in the sentence? And Miriam about. spoke to Aaron. There it is. Oh, Al-Odot. Al-Odot. What is it? Yeah. Well that, that's, so there's a problem here. Al-Odot. And the next word, two words is Ho'isho. Ha-Kushit. It could have said, and she spoke to him about a Kushite woman. What does, it, what does she say? And she the spoke to him Kushite. about the Kushite woman. Meaning that the narrator knows that you already know about that woman. We all know. But do we? We know nothing about that woman. So then it tells us in the next phrase because he married one. Ah, the next problem. Key because, and now the narrator is telling you that like a Shakespearean chorus on the side of the stage. You know why? Key isha kushit look up because you know he. He'd married her. Lakach is to acquire, is the first to time take. It says yes. That yes. Because he had married a Kushite woman. So now this is an addition to uh, Sipporah. Well, wait, or, stay or tuned. She, 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 she's stay tuned. Exactly. So if it had already stated that he had taken a Kushite woman, Al Odot Ho'isha Hakushit why bother stating immediately after that he had married a Kushite woman? Ki Isha. These are the questions that are bothering the commentators. Mm-hmm. We're going very literal this this week, right? It's not, we, we ain't gone no mystical yet, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So Rashi asked the question, go down, third line. What is, what is the apparent superfluity, right? Rashi is the greatest uh, bala, right? Mephoresh, commentator, and he tries to understand the plain meaning, not the literal, that's his grandson, the Rajbam, but the plain meaning. So what does it mean? Why do I need to be told twice? We heard it in the narrative, and they spoke about the Kushite woman. Then why does the narrator have to tell me because he had married a Kushite woman? Totally redundant, and we believe in the economy of language. Right? You've only got so much scroll to write on, and the Torah doesn't mince words. 
So then you, he carries on. You find a woman who is beautiful in appearance but unpleasant in deeds. Or a woman who is pleasant in deeds but not beautiful in appearance. This one was pleasant in every respect. Therefore, she was called a Kushite. So the fact that you repeat the word ki, he had married a Kushite woman, was to let you know that the qualities of the woman he had married were both beauty and personality. That's what Rashi is telling us, quoting straight from a Tanchuma, because the Medrash is bothered by that. So Rashi takes the Medrash from the stock library and brings it to us to tell us that's why there's a redundancy. We want to know something about that Kushite. Hey, tell me about that Kushite. So it's a positive thing and not... Definitely not, positive. So positive. There's no Lashon Hari. No, Kushite is both, right? Now we know in... in, in, in the, against Moshe because of this Kushite woman is so wonderful. The, that's the content of what they are saying. But the fact that she was so beautiful indeed and beauty, maybe that prompted the jealousy. Who knows? But it stretches us from just saying, ah, oh, she's or, a Kushite to she's... A, now where is Kush? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. What, 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 what's going on around here? So. Black people. Yes. Hello, I am a Kushi. Rapsolovici gave a huge Russia once, 1966, on, uh, in, on the Rosh Hashanah Russia. You are like Schwarzes. You are Bene Kushiim, right? You are like Ethiopians to me. So is Kush, is dark good or bad? in the Bible? That's the question we have to ask. Yeah, to be a kushi in modern Hebrew is? Bad. Well, no. <laughs> he's black. Uh, right? yeah, African-American. He's a kushi. Are it's derogatory. Indian, it's no know. question it's derogatory, yeah, it's right? Max, right? Now, where is kush situated? Ethiopia. South of? Egypt. Egypt. Okay, so we're coming back to that. Okay, now let's go to the Rajbam. The Rajbam takes it literally, okay? Rajbam rejects his grandfather and the Pshat, that the Kushite woman, because the Kushit, according to other Midrashim, was none other than Zipporah. The wife of... Yeah, so then what were they criticizing? What's the Kiddush? We knew about that a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. So what are the, what's the Lashon Hara? That he had separated from her. Mm. That after going up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and not eating bread and not drinking water, he had become angelic. Angels do not have to relate to wives. They don't have to put up with pillow talk. They don't have to deal with their mishugasim. It's much better And he, a better life, better wife. Yeah. Or better, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Right? And it turns out that... They were talking about Lashonar about Sipora. What's Fasutzach? We have husbands and wives, right? Miriam was married, and Aaron was married, and they had relations. What's he making himself out to be better? We're told that they, that that we're told that all three were equal in prophecy. Okay, so Rashbam rejects the standard midrashic pshat that the Kushite woman was Sipora. Because A, we would have already known that Moshe married Sephora, so why does God, the Torah have to tell us ki ishol kushit lukacha? We already know that. So why does the Torah go out of its way to tell us ki ishol kushit lukacha? Two, she came from Midian. Midian is not Kush. Midian is a different place. That's to the north even. It's the north. It's not the south. 
So he uses a realistic narrative-based objection to explain why he doesn't accept the Tanchuma. Okay. So then, what does he consider the Pshat? The Pshat is, she's a Kushit. She comes from Kush. Well, where do we have any evidence in the Torah that Moses went to Kush? We do. We have a pseudo-Jonathan, Targum Yonason, and we have... Uh, he, he says, I have it from a, a midrash called Sefer Divrei Hayamim Lemoshe Rabbeinu. Sefer Divrei Hayamim Lemoshe Rabbeinu? We've got Divrei Hayamim. It's one of the books of the Tanakh. Where's Divrei Hayamim Lemoshe The Chronicles of Moses. Part one, scene one. Well, we do. It's a medieval work that the Rashbam must have quoted from. Seriously. Seriously. And in the Chronicles of Moses... We have the following. It's not our canon, but it's a midrashic canon. In any case, this text precedes it. Well, of course. Okay. But but the, but we want so to we know. You can't say that this text is deriving it from something that came much later. Of course not. So, this is the okay. Torah Shebirsav. Okay. But where does Rajbam get the idea that yep, she was from Kush? Because it says in the in the Torah, but, <laughs> right? But, but, but the prob- but it's problematic. Okay. He had a second wife? Uh, is Tzipora Kush? No, she can't come from Kush. That's his problem. So he gets an extra-biblical Midrashic source to support him. Now, we have a very early source for that. Okay. Moses may have married a Kushite woman prior to his marriage to Tzipora. The story of Moses' journey to the land of Kush and his marriage to the queen there is told initially by Flavius Josephus. First century, early text. And then Artapanus of Alexandria, who was also a Jewish historian, and Alexander Polyhistor, a Greek scholar. Other important sources are this Divrei Ayomim Shel Moshe, and it's also brought in the Yalkut Shimoni. That's a medrash, but it's very late and it's a liquid. Okay. The earliest is Targum Pseudo Jonathan, with a brief mention that Moses had taken a Kushite queen when he ran away from Paro. So he's on the run. Okay, but we the text says he goes to Midian. Well, but he's 80 when he gets to Midian. What happened in that interim decade? 40 years. So apparently the story goes as follows. And this is related by Eusebius. Artapanus describes the story as uh, Meris was betrothed to Chenefres, the king of the regions above Memphis, and she was barren. She took an illegitimate child from one of the Jews and called him Mauses, as in M-A-U-S. This Moshe grew up, taught mankind many useful things. But when she saw the excellence of Moshe, she envied him and sought to slay him. So when the Ethiopians evaded Egypt, Hanefris supposed that she had found a convenient opportunity and set Moses in command of a force against them, supposing that he'd easily be killed. Of course, when he, when he vanquished the enemy, he was given the daughter of the king in marriage. And he lived with Raguel, the ruler of the district, having married his daughter. And he never... He remembered the curse against Cush. Now, Cush is the son of Chom, 
the son of Noah, who uncovered the nakedness of Noah and therefore was cursed and his children were cursed. And Moses remembered the curse and said, wait a minute, she is from Cush. I, I had to marry her because of political reasons, but he never, ever consummated it. And so then he comes right. to Midian. <laughs> so then he comes to Midian. So that's the backstory for the Rajbam in the Chronicles of Moses that, in fact, he had married this Kushite princess prior to uh, Tzipporah. Okay, now who wrote all this? This came as the earliest text is Targum, Targum Pseudo Jonathan, first and second century, then Josephus Flavius. That's much earlier. Yeah. So the he, idea... He, he probably didn't make it up. He's probably getting it from some... From some legend, right. It's floating around but, when he right. came along. But right. she, she's hanging around. She's still around, right? If she's part of the past, why would yep. they... So somebody made all this up. So... Somebody made all this up then. No, which which part? It's an old story that was floating around. That's what I'm saying. An old story. Somebody... Well, why do you say that? There's no authority. We don't know its origin. Right. Well, well, that's the thing. Yeah. We don't know its origin. Right. But so what I'm going to be based on what, what what I'm what I'm not asking you to look at, which okay. is the veracity of the of the text. I am trying to expli explicate um, the, the the reason behind Rashbam, who you can't argue against, as one of the <laughs> grandson of Rashi, and where where he gets it from. Um, so, right, okay. So according to Sifri, however, this Kushite is uh, the Tsipora. Um, but then we have the problem. She comes from Midian. Why is she a Kushite? Mm -hmm. She was a Midianite. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. One of them was Tsipora. <laughs> so what does it mean, Kushite? So apparently the darkness of skin is an aspect of beauty. Mm -hmm. Darkness of Kushi Mashune Oiro. The the um, Kushite is different because of the skin. And therefore, Tsipora was Kushi, means she stood out compared to the other women because of the. So the, it doesn't mean literally from Kush, it means she looked like somebody. She was black. Right. So she was black, which is black is beautiful. Right, right. Or she stood out. I mean, so then, what is the criticism? Black. If the criticism... Wait, it says she stood out. It doesn't say she was black. She's from Kush. Because, I'll, I'll read the text again so you understand it. Ma kushi mashune be'oro, kach tzipora mashune benuya yote mikolanoshi. Okay? Okay, well, so translate that exactly. Just like... The Kushite stands out because of his dark skin. Tsipora stood out among other women because of her beauty. Yeah, right. So the that Kushite is, is nothing to do with skin pigment. It has to do with standing out. Ah. So what bothers Miriam and Ara? If you tell me that she had a prior wife because she came from Kush, so then why wait 40 years to tell me that? Right. All of a sudden, All of a sudden you've just discovered that Trump had a pri another woman in Bergdorf Goodman? Now, number 19, yeah, what's, what's, what's the chilek, what's the mishuna, right? What's, what's the news? There's no news there. So the traditional Aramaic translation of the Torah, the Targum Unclus, understands Kushite to mean beautiful, therefore Tzipporah. So then what were they upset about? Umalilas Miriam Viaran Bemoshe al Eisek Itata Shapirta di Nasiv Ari Atata Shapirta de Nasiv Rachik. 
they were talking about the beautiful woman he married and they were saying she was kushit, she was beautiful, then why did he separate from her? If she was not, if she hadn't turned <coughs> ugly after 40 years and she was just as beautiful, then why did you separate from her? So the Losh and horror after 40 years is, why, why are you not living together? What's that about? The idea that Moses separated from Tzipporah could be adduced from the description of Yisro bringing Moses to his wife, Achar Shiluchecha, after he had sent her home. Remember, he's going down to Egypt, he's meeting Aaron, he sends Tzipporah and the two boys back home because he's about to get whacked by Pharaoh. He doesn't know what's going to happen in Beit Parah. But the word Shiluchecha doesn't just mean dismissal, but when a man divorces a wife, he sends her away. The interpretation is the use of the word shin lamad ches for the divorce. Because in Deuteronomy 24, it says when a man sends his wife away with a get. Shiluchecha, shilach. Leshaleach et ishto means to dismiss this her was legally. This was before the exodus, though. Yes, but he never took her back. That's the point. So he, div- he actually divorced. Is this saying that he actually divorced? Wait, I'll tell you the medrash. B'shash ha'om ha'kodesh baruch ha'lemoshe b'sinai kodematan torah she'yikadesh ha'om so when Moses says to the people before giving the Har Sinai, separate from your women, Shloshis Yomim, Al Tikshu El Isha, do not go near your wives before Har Sinai, Parshu So everyone separated from their wives. They separated from their wives. It doesn't use the word shlo. No, just separation. Uparash Moshe Meishto. And as the leader, good servant leadership, you follow your, the. Uh, you follow the rules of the United States Uniform Code of Conduct. It's not a, it's not a law for them and then a separate law for you, although I know some generals who do that. And after Matan Torah, Hashem says, um, go tell them, Deuteronomy 5.27, go back to your tents, meaning go back to your wives. It's over. You got the Torah, go back to your wives. But then he says to Moses, but you, one second, you, you stay with me in the tent because I've got to teach you some more Torah. I've got to teach you how to take this Torah and make it into a, a working rule book of Torah Shabal Peh. So right in the Torah? That's Deuteronomy, go to the, go, oh, look, 527. Deuteronomy 527. Second, I'm not making this up. Second time. Sir, the not, second. Not two of your time. This is in the Bible, okay? Uh-huh. Don't give me this. It's only a medrash. You sound like my dad. <laughs> 527. It's just a medrash. Don't bring me these midrashim, he used to say. You and your midrashim. 527. Right? And God heard the sound of you when he spoke to me and said to me, I hear the sound of the word of the people. But as for you, stand here with but me. But as for you, they can go back to their wives or their tents, but you stand with me. And the Medrash says, and do not return to Derech Eretz. The way of the world. Well, what is Derech Eretz a euphemism for? Sexual. Because Reish Lachish says in the Gemara in Avodah Zorah 5a, tell them to return to their tents, Lesimchas Ona, for the enjoyment of marital relations. Implication, you stay here, and you hang out here 
meaning you don't go back to your tent for marital relations. That's the medrash here. Means how to converse, intercourse with other human beings, but also with your wife. Right? So you stay here in the tent, but you don't go back to your tent for your enjoyment of your simchas oino, like Reish Lachish says. You stay in the tent and you stay celibate. That's how the Medrash is reading it. So when Sipora said after Eldad and Medad prophesied in the camp, woe unto these men's wives since they are needed as prophets and they're going to separate from their wives. Just like my husband separated from me. Sipora is bewailing the fact after Eldad and Medad that there will be a separation between the prophets and their wives, they will become ascetics, right? Just like my wife. By the way, there was a Jewish group that called the Therapeuti in Egypt in the first century that lived celibate lives, both nuns and monks, and they were Jewish. So we do have that very early ascetic tradition um, that, uh, that uh, of, of separation. No progeny. <laughs> so, so, so I'm going back to the criticism. Is the criticism a that she had married a Kushite woman, literally the princess of Kush, or b she had married that Kushite was in fact Sipora, who was very beautiful and outstanding in her beauty, and he still remains separated from her. As long as she's a black girl, I'm okay with this decision. Right. All right. So, what happens to her? She becomes a Matora as a result of her mirror. I'm sorry, what is the criticism? She's being criticized for separating from a beautiful woman? So that's, the, that's a strange criticism. If she weren't beautiful, it would be different. Um, what are you talking about? It, it adds force. Uh, you know, it's not like she became an old hag. She is still beautiful. So even after 40 years, I'm assuming, yeah. because that's when this is criticism. So why is he? Oh, so it's not even a poor Sipura. It's like, it's right. like, what are you doing, Moses? You're not living life to the fullest. Right. Is that it? I mean, that's the implication. Otherwise, yeah. why wait 40 years to tell me? Right. Why say she was a Kushit? We don't care about Sipora, really, here. Yeah, she is a Lukach. She was taken. She is chattel. Right, exactly. So he has an obligation to his wife. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's yeah. not it. That's not it? No, how is that not it? He, he has an obligation to his wife, and he's not meeting his obligation. Now, remember, there is the notion of a Kushite having a negative connotation in Yirmiyahu. And I'm going to quote Yirmiyahu. Marrying a Kushite was scandalous because of the different skin color. Shall a Kushite change his skin or a leopard his spots in Yirmiyahu 13.23? So the Kushite, the Ethiopian, right? It's used like, will a le- can a leopard change his spots? We can still a, use that. Same. Can, can a Kushite change his skin color, right? So there is a negative term for the Kushite. That is an intra-biblical exegesis between Yirmiyahu. What are we so, criticizing leopards for having spots? And yeah. because of the lineage, of course. So it, that the literal level, Tzipura may not be involved, and Moshe had indeed taken a Kushite human, but that was seemingly 
disturbing Aaron and Miriam. Okay. Now, the grievance in verse 2 refers to a different matter entirely. Look at verse 2. In Bamidbo. In the desert. 795. What? Oh, there's Korach. Verse 2, 795. 795. Verse 2. And what's the next grievance? Read it. It's Korach's grievance. Same grievance. It said, was it only to Moses that Hashem spoke? Did he not speak to us as well? Right. Mm-hmm. So this claim expresses what? Unfair discrimination. Mm-hmm. We are the three prophets. Favoritism. We have been told already in the Bible, and through my three prophets, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, I will speak. What are we, chopped liver? And not only that, he had declared in chapter 11, I cannot bear this alone myself, this entire nation. And guess what happens right after this? He's told to appoint 70 elders. Who are also prophets. So in the wake of this declaration, 70 elders are selected to share the leadership, and they're granted a one-time prophecy. And that leads to the upset of Eldad and Medad, who prophesied in the camp instead of Moshe, and Yoshua saying, what a scandal, this is a pogim, a pagamon, you're covered. But Moshe feels no insult. So what's interesting is Miriam appears to be the dominant figure in this episode. And look when it says, Miriam spoke and then Aaron. And Rashi says she speaks out first and therefore she's punished. And and verse 11, 12, when Moses intercedes for her, what does he say? Very enigmatic question. Did I conceive this whole nation or did I give birth to it that you should say to me, carry it close to you as a nursing father carries a nursing child? So there's this notion of pregnancy, birth and nursing, which parallels what? Moses' birth. The woman conceived, gave birth to a son, and his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and summon for you a wet nurse from the Hebrews that she may nurse the child? And she says, take this child with you and nurse him for me and I will give him your wages. So we have a literary inclusio at the beginning of Moses' life and at the end of his career, which this really is the end of his public career because after that, he gives it over to the 70, and then he doesn't come into public light, and he can't respond to Korach and, and the murmurings of the people. He becomes really paralyzed. And it looks like Miriam is the trigger for his birthing and nurturing and nursing, and she is the one that <coughs> ends, carry it close to you as a nursing father carries a nursing child. Nursing father. Right. Shall I... Should you should say to me, did I conceive the nation? Who's talking? Vayomer. Who's talking? Miriam. What? Moshe says, God um, defends Moses and says to them, how dare you speak about my servant Moses? He's the most humblest of everything. He's not going to defend himself. I have to defend him. And so in this notion of giving birth, bringing it close to you like a nursing father, is a parallel to the initiation um, and the linguistic parallels. The Torah hints at Miriam's sensitivity with God to Moshe. Having once played such a critical role in his rescue and his early childhood, right, that the foundation of Miriam's behavior here is an unjustified feeling of personal insult. 
And uh, this brings me to the notion of Miriam that is not in the literal text, <laughs> but this idea of a prophetess who was a leader of the people. Now, where do we see Miriam as a leader of the people? With the, the dancing. Bar to put the timbrels and the dancing. When was that? After, the After they came out of the Shiratayam from the crossing of the Red Sea in Bishalach, Moses sings Oz Yoshir. And what does it say immediately after that? Look Miriam at it. Miriam does her own thing. Yeah, what is it? Parshas Bishalach, page 3, page 378, 381. Vatikach Miriam Hanavia Achos Aaron et kol Miriam comes out and all the women come out with her. Betupim ubecholos. Vatan lohem Miriam. She's standing at the head of this whole crowd. Shiru Lashem ki go go. Paralleling what Moshe had said, Oz Yoshir Moshe, Shiru Lashem ki go go. Same thing. So she turns out to be an, a leader, and in her zechus, what happens? There are three miracles. Well, well. The first one is the miracle of the clouds in the desert. How do we know that it's a miracle? Because when Aaron dies, the sun beats down. So the rabbis say, oh, it beats down right after he died. Oh, must have been because of him that they were shaded. Moses and the manna. Because of Moses, the manna came down. And the moment Moses died, the people were hungry and they needed food because there was no more manna. Right after Miriam's death, what happens? The well, the well goes dry. So something is going on that is not mentioned in the text that Miriam represents. And she represents this feminine prophetess. And it may have been that, that the Torah itself comes to suppress this very ancient concept of the woman prophetess. Um, but it comes out in various hidden ways. She's dancing. She's the one that nurses Moses. She's the one that ends his career because of her concern about his reputation. right? Uh, even though rabbis look at it as Loshon Hara and all that stuff, put that aside. And so I want to end with a very mystical concept of Miriam uh, in the mystical literature uh, who had the power to produce water from the well, which that water is considered Torah Shabal Peh um, in, in the Zohar. And I wanted to end with a Kamar Nareba's uh, thing. I want you to go to the three words, the shortest prayer in the Hebrew Bible. 796. And seven, what is the shortest prayer in the Hebrew Bible? Moses finally goes to God and, and says, Vayitzak Moshe El Hashem, verse 13, Lamer, Five five words. Ah, read it properly. Slowly. Slow it down. Slow it down. Go on. Okay. Now pause that. Elna is a request. How do you pause Rafa? No, pause it grammatically. Parse? Parse. Okay. It's a... Position. Uh, participle. No? Imperative. It's imperative. 
anyway, you just go say, oh, Lord, please, you know, genuflecting, please. And then you go, Rafa. And then you go back, no, la. What would the grammar be? Tirupair. Okay. So, ale, na, rafa, na, la. What's the problem with that? What is the problem with that in terms of the words? Look at the words. What's repetitive? No. No. Again, ale, no. Rafa, no, la. Why the double lotion? No. Okay. Yeah, of course, literally it's begging. But again, if there's an economy of language, this becomes a trigger for some kind of mystical meditation. What's the mystical meditation? The Kamana Rebbe, the nephew of the Zidichova. There are only three Rebbe's who really knew Kabbalah. The Mittler Rebbe of Chabad, the Zidichova, the Surmeira, not the one in Chicago. Um, and his nephew, the Kamarna Rebbe, Alexander Safran. The Kamarna says, the double lotion of no, ale no, refer, no, refers to his sister Miriam. That's just one of the no's. He writes that he heard from his teacher, that's his uncle, the Surmeira, the Zidachova, that all prayers that we pray should be also not just for her, Miriam, but also for the Miriam upstairs, the Shechina, which influences our world. The concept of the Shechina, our supernal mother, the source, is where the pain is. It is in pain because of the darkness of our world, because of the pain that exists in our world, because the fact that we are not yet at the end of Tikkun. So Miriam's pain is reflected in the pain of the Shechina. And so when he is asking for her to be healed, he's asking for two things to be healed, the Miriam down here and the Miriam upstairs. And therefore, whether it's for ourselves or someone else, all our prayers should never be just heal this person, but please, God, allow my prayers to fill the lack in the Shechina, because if that lack is filled, the manifestation of that lack in our physical world will also be healed.